Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. So in the book of 2 Timothy, we discover that timidity is not from God. Did you know that there will never come a time when God wants you to be timid? There will never come a time when God wants you to be timid. Actually, when you're timid, you've ventured outside of the faith realm and into the miserable place of unbelief. Anybody ever been in misery in in your unbelief? When you're aligned with God, you're actually quite the opposite of timid. You're full of power, and not just any power, but God's miracle-working power. We're talking about dunamis power, right? Power for working miracles, power to live pure, power to get wealth, power to reach thousands, power to destroy darkness. Just like God gave Jesus his miracle-working power, he's given you his miraculous power. I want you to take a look at this again in Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Do you know why it says Jesus of Nazareth instead of Jesus Christ? Because this verse is talking about the human aspect of Jesus, the guy from Nazareth, the human from Nazareth. God anointed the man Jesus, the human Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and with power, and that is what enabled him to work miracles and heal the sick. So guess what? That same anointing is available to you. Just like God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, he can anoint you with the Holy Spirit and power. Anybody want to be anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power? Did you know that's actually what God wants for your life? God's will is that there be no shortage of miracles in your life. That's what God wants. So why is that not a reality? I believe the answer is in this word, anoint. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. What does that mean? anointed. When someone is anointed, they are consecrated for the purpose of God. What that means is they set aside everything else and only do what God wants. They seek only the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's the place of focus where you no longer listen to the desires of your flesh. You no longer look to please people. You have one mission in mind. God, what do you want? The ministry of Jesus did not commence until he was baptized by John the Baptist. And in that moment is when Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, when that dove, Holy Spirit came down like a dove, right? And this happened because Jesus, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus only said what he heard the Father saying. He was fully consecrated He was consecrated to the purpose of God. So for those who want to operate in miracle working power, here's a question that you need to ask yourself. Am I willing to set aside my own desires and fully devote myself to what God wants? Question you need to ask yourself. Am I willing to set aside my own desires and fully devote myself to what God wants? This is a choice that you have to make. Here's another way scripture says it. Take up your cross and follow me, or even better in Galatians 5, crucify the flesh. That's my favorite. Crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. To operate in God's miracle working power, we must live in the spirit and we must walk in the spirit. We must live a consecrated, set apart life. If the flesh is still bossing you around, God's miracle working power cannot cooperate. It will not cooperate with that. 
if your flesh is still bossing you around. That really, this is by the grace of God. Some may see that as, well, God's being mean because I haven't figured out this flesh thing yet. No, he's being gracious on you because if dunamis power tried to flow through an unconsecrated vessel, it probably would not end well. There's a good chance you would be dead. Seriously, there's a cost to the anointing. You have to die to yourself. And that's not easy to do. Self dies hard. Anybody notice that? Puts up a good fight. Yet it's better to die to self. Much better. Fully devoting yourself to the purpose of God comes with an endless supply of miracles. It comes with wealth. It comes with purity. It comes with even the best part, healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Yes. So before we move on, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you a personal question today. There's no reason to look around because this is between you and God. And I want you to answer this honestly. Are you willing to crucify your own desires and fully devote yourself to what God wants? And I'm going to have you acknowledge this uh, to me if that's you, but wait, wait a minute. I want you to really think about this. I don't want just a, a quick response. I want you to think, would you, would you quit your job if he asked you to? Would you move to another country if he asked you to? Would you, would you speak his truth in a room of people who are disagreeing with you? So if you're willing to fully devote yourself to what God wants, I just want you to quietly lift your head and look at me. And I'm not keeping track of who does and who doesn't. I just want to kind of see where we are as a church. Okay, go ahead and bow your head again. I'm going to pray into this. Lord, we are your consecrated vessels. Set us apart for your work. Lord, we devote ourselves to complete obedience. When you say to move, we move. And we don't listen to the voice of a stranger. We only listen to you. So I thank you for making it known when you are speaking to us so we can learn to discern your voice from all the other noise that's going on in our lives. Lord, you are supreme in our lives. You are king over our lives. You are, you are our Lord. We truly do want your power to flow through us so that we can go and do what you did. Heal all who are oppressed of the devil. Lord, we want to go out and do that in this world. We want to set people free. We want to storm the gates of hell, which cannot prevail against us. Go in and set people free. Break the chains of darkness. Loose the captives. So we consecrate ourselves to you so that we become a vessel that is ready, a vessel that is able to flow in the dunamis power of God. And Lord, if there is something in our lives that we still need to set aside, I ask you to show us, show us, show us, show us. We don't want to be in the dark about these things, so bring them into the light. Whatever it is, Lord, if you, whatever you want us to do, we will do it. Make it clear, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So now you know the key to God's miraculous power flowing through your life. You must be fully consecrated to the purpose of God. And if you're not there yet, I'm not here to get on to you today. That's not what this is about, but just keep coming to church, and I'll help you get to a place where you're ready to devote yourself to God. So let's hone in on one of these many aspects of miracle working power. We're going to talk about the power to get wealth today. <laughs> Anybody enjoy Darla last week? Yes. Seed time and harvest. I loved it. It's so good. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, 
And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. So did you notice that the power to get wealth doesn't just exist to new covenant believers, but this has been around since like the beginning of mankind? Isn't that great to know? So, but if you think that God is against wealth, that lie goes back to hell today. We'll give you some proof that God wants you wealthy. I listed all the scriptures on here if you want to go look them up later. But here's what God said in Genesis 129. Be fruitful and multiply. Here's what God said in Deuteronomy. I give you the power to get wealth. Here's what God said in Proverbs. My blessing makes you rich. Here's what God said in 2 Corinthians. I will supply all your need from my glorious riches, and you will have plenty left over to share with others. The word of God makes it clear in numerous places that he is not against you having wealth, but we must balance that with the truth that he teaches us about greed. Here's what God says about greed. God said, seek my kingdom and I'm gonna take care of the things, Matthew 6, God said, don't chase after money. Don't trust in money. Trust only in me. I will richly give you all you need for your enjoyment. That's what he said in 1 Timothy. God said, don't store your treasure. Instead, use your money to do good. Be generous to those in need. And it may seem like these scriptures contradict each other, but they don't. They, go, they work together. So let me tie it together for you. Use God's power to get wealth. Don't chase it down. Don't store it up. Don't put your trust in it. Simply receive the power of God. Go get his wealth and use it for good. This reminds me of something the Holy Spirit revealed to me in August of 2022. He said, expand your capacity to receive. Stop limiting with small thinking. Submit to the fact that you can't comprehend the amount of wealth available to you in Christ. You might as well remove the cap because I'm not capping it. It's a free flow, a rushing river, an endless supply. Don't try to contain it. Don't try to store it. Let it flow freely through your life. Don't stop the flow by hanging on to it. Let it flow freely because there is always more to come. Godly wealth is wealth you don't trust in or rely on, nor do you store it up. It's a free flow through your life to fund the purposes of God. No wonder the enemy has us all consumed with expenses. His deception has caused us to believe that a good steward is somebody who minimizes the amount of money that is going out. Have you noticed that? I realized the other day that we tend to get really excited if we save $20 on something. But we wouldn't be near as excited if somebody offered to give us $20 of income in exchange for a little bit of work. Because we're so hyper-focused on expenses. We're financially constipated. <laughs> Always trying to restrict the outflow. What happens when you restrict the outflow? Things get backed up. You get sick. You get to a point where you can't take any more in. So it just makes me wonder, how much wealth is backed up in heaven because you won't let it out? Don't store up your wealth. Instead, use it to do good, trusting that there is always more where that came from. Let's talk about what it looks like to use wealth for good. We tend to get a little pigeonholed. 
on this concept into one thing where the, when there's countless ways to use wealth to do good. So let's play a little game. I'm going to give you a few scenarios. I want you to give me a thumbs up if it's a good thing for wealth, a thumbs down if it's not. Are you ready? What if I use my wealth to feed the hungry and clothe the poor? What if a wealthy businessman gives me his $40,000 watch as a thank you for leading him to Christ? <laughs> what if the church takes care of widows and orphans? What if I give a gift to somebody who doesn't necessarily need it? What if the church pays the leadership well? What if the church builds a nice building? <laughs> what if I build a nice home for my family to live in? What if I put a pool in for my kids to enjoy? What if I invest $100,000 into somebody's new business? What if I give a homeless person on the street $20? What if I buy a jet to travel for ministry? What if I use that jet to take my family around the world? So I have yet to mention anything that the Lord would not consider good. He is okay with everything that I just mentioned, including the jet. The only thing he's not okay with is me chasing the money down to do these things. My job is to seek his kingdom. His job is to provide all the things. Did you know that there's entire websites that exist just to criticize wealthy ministers? Don't tell me that you ride on those, please. They gripe about how much their watch costs or the car that they drive or the house that they live in. And interestingly, they never mention the millions of dollars they've invested into the kingdom of God. They don't talk about the millions of people that they've reached with the gospel. Do you know why we get wound up about stuff like this? Because we are financially constipated. We think that money is a limited supply. We think if they buy a jet that they can't take care of the poor. Who's to say God can't do both through them? Lord, deliver us from this unbelief. I'm serious. This is unbelief. When we get wound up about stuff like that, we've just, that's ding, 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 ding. I got unbelief in me that I need to get out of me. I am financially constipated. I need to go have a movement. Lord, deliver us from this unbelief. Help us to see money the way that you do. There is no shortage of resources in the kingdom of God. It is a free flow, a rushing river, an endless supply. Thank you, Lord. Yes. you don't have to worry about wealthy ministers. I'm going to set you free today. If they're misusing money, God's going to deal with them. We should simply celebrate because the gospel is being demonstrated in a mighty way through their ministry. There is no shortage of resources in the kingdom of God. We can't say that because so-and-so built a jet, now we are less off because they use that money, because money doesn't work that way. The only limited thing that we have in this world is time. Everything else can be multiplied. There is no shortage of resources in the kingdom of God. Where does it come from? A coin in a fish's mouth? I'm going to start fishing. Multiplied bread? How about throwing your nets one more time after a long season of dryness in your business? And God says, go out and do it one more time. It doesn't matter where it comes from. We can trust that provision will come as we need it. We should just open and say, hey, Lord, what, do this how you want to do it. Leanna has been, my oldest daughter has been bringing me, where are you? Right here. Raise your hand, dear. 
she's been finding these rocks in our yard, like this white rock and this pink rock. I'm like, man, where are these coming from? I was like, oh. I was like, you can go find me a gold rock. And I would be a perfectly fine with that. And you know what? The Lord could do that. There could be a little thing of gold or a big thing of gold hidden away on my property that he was just leaving there for me to discover or for Leanna to discover. Whenever you find that, though, make sure you bring it home. Don't, don't lose it somewhere. It doesn't matter where it comes from. We can just trust that the provision will come. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Start at verse 5. Later, after they had crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And at this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying. And so he said, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then at last, they understood. He wasn't speaking about yeast and the bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I'm always looking for those moments for us as a church. And then at last, they understood. <laughs> they understood. They got it. So not long before this, Jesus fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. And just before that, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus finds himself on a boat with the disciples, griping at each other because they forgot to bring bread. His response, beware of the religious strongholds, is what he was saying. The disciples kind of ignore him and keep arguing with each other. Why did you forget the bread? Don't look at me. Why did you forget the bread? And we still do this today. When the money runs out, we look at our spouse and say, why did you buy all those shoes? And they look at him and say, well, why did you buy that car? Oh, y'all never done that? And in the midst of the blame game, Jesus pipes up, if we were listening in those moments, arguing with our spouse, and he would say this, beware of the religious strongholds. What are you talking about, Jesus? You have so little faith. Don't you remember my miraculous provision? Of course you don't. You don't put in the effort to remember. You're always on to the next thing. That's what he would say to us, wouldn't he? Yep. Don't you remember? No, nope, of course you don't. <laughs> Everybody okay? All right, just making sure. A religious stronghold is anything that prevents us from living in faith. A religious stronghold is anything that prevents us from living in faith. So like in this example, the disciples were upset about their lack of planning. They forgot bread. And religion teaches that when you miss the mark, you suffer the consequence. But did you notice Jesus didn't rebuke them for their lack of planning? He didn't say, how could you forget the bread? Don't you all have a checklist by now? I mean, we've been traveling for a long time. That's how we would respond to each other if somebody did something like that. It's like, we have lunch every day. And you forgot to bring the bread? I mean, this is how we talk to each other, right? And we even think of ourselves like, if we were the ones that forgot the bread, we would beat ourselves up. How could you forget the bread? 
Jesus didn't say that. He wasn't upset about their lack of planning. He wasn't upset that they didn't have a checklist. He wasn't upset that they weren't all buttoned up and perfect and had all their administrative systems sorted out. He was upset about their lack of faith. He wanted them to trust God to take care of them even when they messed up. This is the heart of God. He wants us to live by faith where what you expect from him is completely detached from your performance. Listen to that again. He wants us to live by faith where what we expect from him is completely detached from our performance. Say it again, Lord. He wants us to live by faith where what we expect from him is completely detached from our performance. Lord, I know I didn't get that right. I know I forgot the bread, but I'm trusting you to provide because you can make up the difference. Lord, I know I made a bad investment and I lost $100,000, but I trust you to make up the difference because you're aware of my weakness and you're aware that I'm gonna make mistakes and you always come to the rescue because that's the heart of God. He wants to take care of your needs. God's will is to give you things. God's will is to provide for your needs. God's will is to come to the rescue when you mess it up. This is the heart of God. You know what God wants? For there to be no shortage of miracles in your life. You know what else God wants? For you to live a life of faith where acquiring resources never consumes your thoughts, never consumes your thoughts, never consumes your thoughts. You're not even concerned about it because you're fully confident that God will meet every need in abundance until it overflows. Even when I messed it up, he's going to meet the need. Even when I misused money, he's going to bring it back to me and show me how to do it right the next time. This is the heart of God that I'm revealing to you this day. Religion tells you you mess it up so you don't get to be blessed. Religion tells you you didn't tithe for the last 10 years so you don't get to be blessed. Religion tells you you didn't plant any seeds so you don't get to be blessed. Well, I got news for you. The word of God says that you're going to harvest what you did not plant because that is the heart of God. As soon as you align with his purposes, he pours his resources into you regardless of what you did in the past, regardless of how many seeds you've sown, regardless of how long you've been tithing. What a dangerous thing for a pastor to say, trying to convince you all not to tithe. I don't want you tithing out of obligation. I don't want you tying God's, God's generosity, God's multiplication, God's blessing. I don't want you tying to that to your tithing to your giving, to your performance. I want you to detach your performance from what you expect from God. Oh, man. So I want to brag on God. <laughs> I'm excited about this. I've kept much of this hidden until now because I didn't want to upset the religious spirit that gets all wound up when a minister is blessed. Well, I'm done catering to the religious spirit. I'm going to change my strategy, just come out in the open. Instead of trying to keep it quiet, I'm going to stir it up. You know what's good about getting the religious spirit all wound up? It comes out of hiding so you can deal with it. So I can tell you this, if any of this irritates you, like if you're irritated right now, or if you're irritated by what I'm about to say, I'd be help, happy to help you get free today. Because the Lord Jesus has given me authority to cast out every unclean spirit. And that religious spirit is an unclean spirit that you need to get rid of. 
God has given me wisdom to create a business that brings in more each month than I used to make in a year. Isn't that awesome? I had my best month ever last month, earning over $50,000 in one month. And soon I will come and tell you that God has given me wisdom to earn in one week what I used to earn in one year. And then after that, I'll come and I'll tell you, God has given me wisdom to earn in one day what used to take me a year. The Holy Spirit led Beth and I to buy a rental property in Owasso in 2019. Perfect time to buy a house, right? We sold it two years later for $70,000 more than we bought it for, which is what enabled us to buy our farm. When putting in an offer on the farm, the Holy Spirit led me to offer $100,000 less than the asking price. And guess what? We got it for $100,000 less than the asking price, and they were happy about it. When we bought the farm, the Holy Spirit led me to keep our previous home for my office. And now we own two homes, less than a mile from each other, worth more than $1.2 million combined. Several years ago, I was browsing Facebook Marketplace. I came across a blue Jaguar convertible. I wasn't even looking for that. I just came across it, and I heard the Lord say this. I want you to have that. So I argued with him about how irresponsible that was. (laughs) Seriously. He won the argument. This car was $80,000 when it was new. I got it for $12,000. It only had about 60,000 miles on it. I still have it today, and it's an absolute blessing from the Lord. I love to go out with the top down and discover new country roads. If you run across me, I'll be driving about 40 to 50 miles an hour like an old man having a good time. (laughs) These are all things that the Lord has done for me and my family. And I'm not bragging about what I have. I'm bragging on the Lord because his blessing makes us rich and it adds no sorrow to it. The best part about partaking in God's wealth is the amount of giving that you get to be involved in. We've given away cars, multiple cars, good time. We help take care of kids in other countries. We've given over $165,000 to this church over the years. We sow seed into other ministries as the Holy Spirit leads. If he says give $10,000, we give $10,000. He hasn't told me to give $100,000 yet, but I'm sure he will one day. So if any of this aggravates you, we're going to have an altar call here in a bit where you can get rid of that religious spirit. Or you can keep it. It's totally up to you. It's your call. Even with the amount of blessing I just explained to you, I know that I've barely tapped into what God really wants. I'm not even sure that it measures up to 1% of what he wants for my life. He's been constantly renewing my mind regarding money over many years, and it's been on overdrive the last few months. If you look at my journal, it's like every other entry is about money that he's teaching me. I believe that's because the end times wealth transfers around the corner. In August of 2022, I had a vision. I saw a great dust storm in the distance. It was rushing towards me, and as it got closer, I realized it was gold dust. And people were running into their homes, and they were hiding, and then the Holy Spirit revealed to me, this is God's provision for the end-time harvest rushing towards you. We're to stand and receive it, not run from it. When the Israelites left Egypt, they were given loads of silver and gold from the unrighteous. Not because they wanted to give it to them. It was a miraculous move of God. And many times in the Bible, you will find the Israelites collecting the spoils after winning a battle. 
And they didn't win the battle by their own fight. The battle was won by the hand of God. And then the Israelites went in and they collected the spoils. So I believe that once again, God will cause the ungodly to turn over their riches to the righteous. We will win this war in America and we will go and collect all the spoils. Let me put it to you this way. God will win this war in America and we will go in and collect the spoils. You can call it a harvest if you want to. God has redeemed America. It's a good year. It's a good year. I've been moving in a prophetic flow most of my adult life, although didn't notice it until a few years ago. It was very sporadic early on, but it became very frequent in the latter part of 2020. And I've kept a log of all the dreams and visions and prophetic words that the Holy Spirit has given me. And through that, I've learned that I tend to see things about two years in advance. I don't know what that's about, but I've just noticed a pattern. I tend to see things about two years in advance. This August will be two years since my vision of the gold dust storm. So there's a good chance this is the year that it will come to pass. And what I want you to remember about the vision is that it was a call to prepare by renewing your mind. Because if you don't prepare, you will run from the miraculous provision like it's something to be afraid of. What would cause us to run from it? That dang religious spirit that tries to convince us that wealth is not from God. If it's still convincing you that wealth is not from God, what are you gonna do when the wealth shows up? You're gonna run from it. That's why I did my best today to aggravate it so we can get it out of the way. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.